Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of about 15 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a coach. I run Strength Guild. I also compete in powerlifting and having games and other sports. So. And this is Dr. John Mike. I'm assistant professor in exercise science. Um, I love to eat. I love to lift. And uh, I wish it were sunny outside so we could enhance our vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the vitamin D is going to be going south for people over the next couple of months, that's for sure. Listeners, you might want to think about that. 3,000 IUs or so a day if you want to get yeah. your, if you want to get your blood levels up. You can't putz around with these little 800 yeah, pretty units, much, you know. Pretty much anyone that lives north of Atlanta is low D. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's according to the Centers for Disease Control. Yeah, that's legit. All right, we've got some news um, happenings going on with Iron Radio itself, and then we've got a topic we're just going to – check out a few comments that our listeners had, and this will harken back to when we were in Strength Guild a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about um, things you've observed, you know, observations, best practices, if you're going to compete, or even if you're going to go somewhere as a fan, uh, and what you expect. And then uh, the ones that we pick off the Facebook listener page will give um, some mugs or something cool. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, John, you were talking about the red meat thing. You want to talk about that about this past weekend? Strength and Muscle Sport News. Yeah, I think one of the bigger news um, stories this week was, um, I mean, there was it was a story that came out of a wide variety of media outlets and essentially saying that, you know, red meat is, uh, you know, highly linked to, uh, you know, colorectal cancer. Um, but, you know, with the, the thing is with that, I mean, most people know that obviously the media is not the uh, most credible source to get these kinds of news feeds from. But, I mean, if you really think about it from a practical perspective, um, I mean, you know, bacon and hot dogs and processed meats. And, I mean, they're, they, are, they are bad for you. Um, and the, the thing is, I don't, really, I don't really know a single diet out there or le- even legit diet um, person or source that – includes bacon um, or processed meats as like part of their, you know, plan. But essentially it comes back to, um, you know, I don't want to use the word moderation, but essentially comes back to the old saying of, you know, the dose makes the poison, so to speak. And if you're somebody that eats bacon and, you know, for every single day for breakfast or lunch and dinner and all these other things, I mean, I'm sure you're, you're running a higher risk of developing these types of diseases. But, you know, when you try to go uh, grass fed burgers and, you know, once or twice a week or, yeah. or something of that, something of that yeah. nature, I mean, you're not going to see these types of changes that people um, try to create scare tactics. Well, you know, John, uh, with, this, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. This past week, one of the things I thought, cause I just skimmed that one. Uh, one of the things that I noticed was they were blaming red meat in general and not just nitrited meats, as it right. looked like. Usually I hate, and listeners know I've gone on about this before, but I hate when they lump together red meat as a category that includes bologna and hot dogs along with my round steak. 
I mean, that's ridiculous exactly. uh, mm. because it's the nitrites, you know, the, the preservatives that they put in hot dogs and bologna and whatnot, um, not only increase stomach cancer risk or maybe colon cancer, but um, apparently they interfere with cognition and your intellect and that sort of thing and mood. And I'm like, oh, damn. Well, that's all the more reason not to do that. Now, does that mean I'm never going to have bacon? No, I'm still going to have some bacon every once in a while. You know what I mean? You got to think quality of life with this stuff, too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And uh, one of the um, and that was just a big uh, news rage this week. And um, I saw yesterday that the if you probably heard about the news story that the police officer uh, engaged in um, some um, rage with the uh, a student at a school uh, that was all over the news this week. And then I saw this video. Somebody posted about it, and then I shared it. And <clears throat> this is this is this is where where we are in our culture today in terms of all time new media lows. And there was this news story that um, tried to say that creatine had, was implicated in the police. Rage incidents, and um, just for—I mean—it is absolutely oh ridiculous beyond belief. I mean, for people that—I mean, how low do you really want to get here? I mean, for Christ's sake, there there are over six hundred studies done on creatine and performance, ranging from everything from increased hydration to explosive power to enhancement of endurance, and exercise, no recovery, immune right. system response clinical health markers. I have never seen anything in the 20 plus years creatine has been around that has talked about mood swings and freaking aggressive behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's bullshit. Well, you know, John, finest. you know what that is? That's that creatine is a steroid kind of nonsense, exactly. you know? Uh, yeah. I think it would d- disappoint a lot of those reporters to know that even probably moderate to higher dose anabolic steroids don't cause rage, mm-hmm. you know, according right. to the literature. So even... Even if they're trying to make the link to androgens, even that would be mm-hmm. wrong. <laughs> so that's double wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, like, the, the TV stations should be sued for that. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. I don't know what the responsibility. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, if you're a health professional or, like, Phil, as a coach, you give somebody bad advice, well, you could get in trouble for that. You know, but reporters yeah, I mean, can babble any way they want, it seems like. I don't know. Because every single ounce of that shit was made up. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I hadn't uh, heard that. Wow. Creatine rage. It's a new bogus <laughs> yeah. term. Yeah. Next time, no, when you guys care- get cranky. I mean, Phil, be careful. I mean, next time you put creatine in your pancake, just watch out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Slap one of your uh, uh, gym mates or something. We we also have a, um, a listener question that was sent in um, recently. And I'd just like to read it to you because it's, it's actually a really interesting topic. We've talked about some of these things before on the show. And um, this is from Alan. Um, and Alan says, I would like to uh, propose a topic for a future Iron Radio episode. I've had certifications as a trainer now for four years and working as a trainer full time for two years. Given this, ongoing education is something that I'm continually pursuing to better work with my clients. My questions are, what are good certifications to obtain both in breadth of knowledge and strong and applicability? Mm. On a recent podcast, you mentioned the Postural Restoration Institute, but quite honestly, the $2,000 is rather prohibitive. I had also heard of them when getting the SFMA cert. And of course, if anyone's not familiar with SFMA, it's called Selective Functional Movement Assessment. Um, it's a step um, up, if you will, from the functional movement screen. 
Um, so it's only for people that are physical therapists, athletic trainers, chiropractors. Um, so the SFMA, is there something comparable, um, less prohibitive in a sense? What, if any, are the differences between the NSCA-CSCS cert and the ISSA cert? Uh, from a lifter perspective, how oh. should an athlete go about evaluating a trainer? Of course, that's a whole other topic in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Simply look at past client successes. Um, how much experience does a trainer have if they have no academic or cert credibility? Appreciate anything you can offer on this topic. Thank you. Um, so really good, really good questions. Um, that's something I could definitely see us doing a feature episode on. Um, and it could even have a, like a two-part series on it, uh, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's quickly. I can tell you this. Yeah, Phil. I want, I want to hear what <laughs> Phil has to say. Yeah. As far as certifications go now, you get what you pay for. There's one on every corner. And if it's forty nine ninety five for a weekend, it's probably worth forty nine ninety five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I mean, like in the you know asking about the difference between the, the NSCA, CSCS, and the ISSA, you know, um, International Sports um, Society or International Sports Society Association or whatever I can't remember what it's called, but anyway, it was from um, uh, Fred Hatfield's organization that mm-hmm. uh, he's been on the show uh, in the past. They. Um, I don't really know too much about ISSA, but um, they're they're not as popular um, as they used to be. Um, they were pretty popular when they first come out, but nowadays, um, you know, NSCA certs are really popular. The CSCS and the CPT, um, ACSM is still uh, popular. Um, you know, there's still ACE, which is a you know kind of a what I would call like a, a lower tier type of certification. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you have the movement screens like the S, um, FMS. Um, of course, the um, uh, dysfunctional movement types of screens and patterning, the NKT or neurokinetic therapy. But um, I, I would say for the bang for your buck, I mean, everybody has the NSCA certs nowadays. And um, one of the things that you really need to look out for with these certifications is are, are they nationally recognized? And that's one of the key things that you really need to look for. I mean, anybody could say that certifications are nationally recognized. But, you know, when you go to other conferences or clinics, um, or workshops, you know, are, do you get CEUs or continuing education units, you know, for your time? So that's something that you want to look out for. But um, these are really good questions, and I think it would be helpful to have a, a feature episode or two uh, on these just to go a little bit more in depth. Yeah, we've, um, we've discussed these uh, some of this stuff before, but with like 300, 400 certs and new ones coming out every day, yeah, I think we probably could revisit that stuff for sure. I mean, listeners should probably know, John and I, we, we've we talked about certification versus licensure, and um, we edited, we co-edited a newsletter for a big professional group for a long time. Well, if not big, um, I think important professional group for a long time. And so we've really looked at this stuff a lot before, and I agree. There is an element, it seems shallow to say if it's popular, it's good. But you have to get enough size and popularity for employers to ask for it. Um, mm-hmm. And now that's just on the marketability side. Because we could even talk about some of those CrossFit certs. You know, here, take my $1,000 just so people can see CrossFit after my name somewhere. And, you know, I, each one of these groups has a little bit of groupthink. Uh, I think it's inevitable. And you're often going to hear uh, that what I call the one of us mantra, right? Which is if you're not one of us, somehow you're not legitimate. And so, yeah, there's a lot of things to look at. And frankly, uh, Phil, who guest lectures to some of my my graduating seniors every spring, 
we talk about this a little bit, right? At some point, you get salty enough that you're you're tired of hearing it. You know, once you're in your 40s and you've been looking at certifications and you've actually jumped through a lot of these hoops, you start to be like, well, you know, do I want to just keep being um, sort of extorted into getting continuing education credits, paying to maintain my certification mm. when I got it now? Okay, got it, fellas. I learned it, you know, five <laughs> times over. Got it now. Uh, and yeah, yet like, they'll say, well, you let it lapse. So as if your knowledge evaporated or something. Yeah. So there's right. a lot to that. Yeah, there's uh, a lot to that. Yeah. It's tough. And I mean, it also depends on your clientele, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it really does. Um, you know, honestly, my clientele could care less if I have a little piece of paper that says I'm certified. They know what I know. <laughs> when they want to see results. Right. So, exactly. Above anything. They, you know, right. if I don't show results, even though if I have 17 pieces of paper, it doesn't matter. Right. So. Now, having said this, if I go to a dentist, I want him to have a license. You know, yes. if I go to a surgeon or a, a license or someone <clears throat> drive it, flying my plane, the pilot, I want a license. You well, know, that, so that and that's the, and that's the whole thing. It's just it's it's when it comes to other types of professions or getting your freaking haircut, nobody questions the, the the validity of the person that you're going to. But then the opposite happens for you know trainers and and, and people talk about you know licensure and, and ideally. That would be the best approach. But the reality is the supply and the demand is not there in the same way it is for like medical professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all comes back to money. You know, I don't want I don't want the government, you know, intervening in what I could do or not do, you know, for a client. And most people don't want that either. But there has to be some type of higher standard mm-hmm. um, that, that people um, could have more accountability to. And like I said, I mean, we could talk about this all day long, yeah, but right. um, it essentially comes back to money because when you think about other organizations like IDEA, um, they don't, their certification is like over 20 years old. They don't actually have certs um, anymore. And it's only because they have like, you know, 40, 50,000 plus members. So they, they can afford to survive off, you know, membership and plus their three big, you know, conferences that they have every year. Yeah. But most other organizations, they don't have that type of, um, you know, populace uh, in a sense. Right. So. You know, let me add one thing before we switch gears here, because I, I have a question from a, a listener as well. Um, I think technology may affect uh, some of the, these things as well. I'm familiar yes. with a couple of uh, certs that are developing around uh, increased use of apps and biometric tools, you know, uh, there's this whole concept called the quantified self where you can have an enormous amount of data generated from stuff. Like when I was uh, at that ASEP meeting, uh, one of the, the president of that group, he's a physician. And he's really big into the, this um, Hexoskin. It's, a, it's sort of a Lycra-type shirt. It's like an Under Armour kind of thing. And, you know, it's giving straight up, not just heart rate, EKG tracings, um, all this sort of biometric information. And I think that's going to change a bit because – I tend to favor certifications that require a bachelor's degree on some level Um, so you can get people that can interpret some of these data. You know, I don't think the average personal trainer is going to be able to see ST segment depression and know what that means, you know, on the EKG strip or what are the guidelines for uh, hypertension or if there's an arrhythmia, can you let the guy lift? You know, there's a lot of things, especially some of them even do like glucose monitoring and stuff now. Uh, which is amazing, the amount of data. So I, I look for that. And even on the educational side, lots of animations and uh, people who can type in stuff, like the MyFitnessPal app, but even on the educational side, 
you know, and enhance learning in that way. So I think tech is going to be a, a player in a lot of this stuff too. So. Oh, it definitely mm-hmm. is. And I mean, I have numerous, I guess a few problems. You know, you look at any other field, medical field like you guys brought up, dentistry, there aren't 500 fly-by-night operations where you can become a dentist. You know, there's one. So, <laughs> of course, we trust exactly. that more. I can't go pay twenty nine ninety five over two days and, be, and say I'm a dentist now. But there is that in the, in the training field. Right. And, Wild you know, West. My other problem is, I mean, as a coach or a trainer, it's almost a 100% practical job. And most of these have no – there is – you know, you just go out, fill out some papers and memorize some things, and you're one now. There is no practical portion where you have to prove you, you can coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So. Well, that's we did that episode on KSAs, right? There's knowledge, but there's also yeah. skills and abilities. Yes. So, and that's why even in strength conditioning, um, I feel like I have a decent understanding of how to resistance train. But mm. when it comes to the coaching part of my strength conditioning class, I usually bring in an experienced strength conditioning coach because I tell them, I said, you guys, I became a nutritionist, you know? Yeah. So I want someone who can look at these subtle cues on what you're doing with your hips or your knees or the bar spacing, you know, all this. There's just so many things. So I, I think you just have to have to respect it. In, in a sense, a lot of these fitness um, certs, there are sort of multiple things. There's the knowledge side, but then there's also, right, the the skill. You know, mm-hmm. what's the what can you bring to the table in a very practical, applied way? I think mm-hmm. NSCA does a pretty good job with a lot of that. They always talk about applicability and that sort of thing. But Okay. Let me get to this next one quickly. Fasted cardio question. This is from Tasha. Hello. Uh, I have competed as a bikini athlete previously, but I am looking to switch to figure. What are your thoughts on fasted cardio? And then in parentheses, it says, how far out from a competition should I begin? How long and how many times per week would you suggest? Any insight would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Tasha. Uh, Phil, you and I both get people ready for this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. What, what's your formulation for this as far as the cardio, if, if fasting cardio, time frames, you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the biggest thing she has to realize is that the two sports, she needs to not only be leaner, but she needs to carry a lot more muscle mm-hmm. to go from mm-hmm. figure to bikini. So, I mean, it's anything you can do to, to maximize those both. Um, yeah, I don't mind fasted cardio. I have a lot of my, my girls do... Cardio first thing in the morning. It's low intensity, and it's an easy way for us to, you know, strip some calories out of the week right. without yep. without uh, inhibiting our the time we have to put in the gym. You know, because you do need to put time in the gym. It's not it. You move that step from bikini to figure, and uh, there's a lot more muscle that's needed. I mean, it's it's. I don't know. I mean, I agree. I'll more, tell you. I know it's time. it's not fashionable to say fasted cardio really but mm-hmm. i'm still a fan there's too much physiology there's too much research uh i once put together a list of articles about direct fat oxidation right fat burning mm-hmm. during the workout and even the uh, the concept of fat balance not calorie balance but fat in versus fat burn mm-hmm. and for the record you'll you'll burn through you do a 45 or 60 minute session either mildly uphill on a treadmill or like a light walk jog before breakfast you'll go through about 30 40 grams of fat so you get the idea. If I burn 30 or 40 grams of fat, maybe I should eat less than that uh, for breakfast. You know, that kind of stuff. But I also like it for the reason you said. It doesn't cross some of these st- stress 
thresholds mm-hmm. for cortisol and, and glycogen dependency and all this sort of stuff. So you kind of leave your fuel substrates alone and your nervous mm-hmm. system alone for the hard training later. And she's yeah, going to need more, more mass. There's only so much we can do. I mean, I can't – we can't hit the gym hard four to five days a week and then add in four to five high-intensity high, high <laughs> training sessions and four to five of this. It's like, you know – there's only so many eggs I can put in a basket. So we've yeah. got to find other ways to, to do it without really taxing their system too much. Right. So, and that's an easy way to do it. Hey, wake up and go for a walk. Yeah. Even if you're tired, <laughs> yeah. right? Drink a cup of coffee with no sugar in it. It'll help yeah. get your ass up and out, out on the sidewalk, you know, yeah. or on the treadmill or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when I'm looking at this here, uh, she talks about how long. I was always a fan, frankly, uh, it, for people who are not pharmaceutically enhanced, of 20-week stretches where i break it down that's five months and so the first mm-hmm. first month is just get your head around eating clean like if you've been mm-hmm. loosening up with the bacon stuff we were talking about recently <laughs> you, get, you get that out of there and then you progressively uh increase it so you might start with just even if it's just 30 or 45 minutes get in the habit form the habit of going out for these fat sp- specific calorie drains in the morning because again you haven't eaten your blood glucose is low insulin is low it does make fat vulnerable but um, then you add every month, you might add 10 or 15 minutes to that. So it gives you somewhere to progress. When most people mm-hmm. try to diet like this, they don't progress. So mm-hmm. the classic approach would be you're adding maybe 10 or 15 minutes of, on the cardio side. You know, I, and I don't even like the word cardio because that implies it's intense cardiovascular work, and it's not. Yeah. Um, again, non-panting, you know, young person heart rate maybe around in the 120s you know, per minute. But you also can... On the diet side, uh, it's very typical. Something I've done with great success with myself and other people is find out what your baseline carb intake is, and then you're probably pulling out, you know, 50 grams per day worth of carbohydrates. So, for example, for me, if I'm eating 500 a day, typically I drop to 450 for the first month or a couple of weeks. Then for the next couple of weeks, I'll drop to 400 per day, right? Then 350. So you're progressively pulling out the carbs while you're progressively adding in the cardio. And what that's doing is it's correcting for any slowing of your metabolic rate, right? Mm -hmm. You're actually, you're not just crushing your carbohydrates and your thyroid function, everything into the basement at the very, very beginning, and then wondering Mm -hmm. what the hell happened, you know? So it's the biggest mistake a lot of people make is they, they're, they're 12 or 16 weeks out and they go all or nothing. And it's like, where are you going to go now? No and, doubt. You know, I had one girl that we had to try and fix that. You know, basically, when we started, her calories were at where I wanted them when we end. And I was like, fuck, where the hell do I go? You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, you've been eating this every day to maintain. So um, we had to get creative. You know? Right. So. And I do think there's a time for some of the more intense interval stuff. I usually would put that, like, after my weight sessions. Mm-hmm. Probably not leg day because I don't think I could possibly do that. But on non-leg days, yeah, mm-hmm. go do yourself – four to six, like, 30-second bouts of uh, bike sprints or something. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? This is just one way to do it. The, the beauty of this, or maybe the curse of it, though, is you have to do it almost every day. If you, if you want this to add up enough that you can see it over this four- or five-month period, you, you got to do it almost every day. I'd say mm-hmm. at least five days a week. You can't do this twice a week and expect to see shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there it is. Okay. Uh, I have one last question uh, before break here. This is from Kevin. He says, podcasts on Google Play Music. And this is just something I appreciate that he mentioned. Um, 
Hope all is well with you. Regular listener here. Love the content you folks give out. Android has always lacked a podcast app from Google. Two days ago, and this is spanking new. This is literally like yesterday. Two days ago, Google added podcasts to Google Play Music, which is a default music player app for Android. Uh, I'm, I'm actually not an Android guy, so I'm glad he's telling me this. They're requesting all podcasters add their podcasts to the library. Here is the URL to add your podcast to Google Play Music. Uh, when you have a few minutes, could you please complete the steps on the described page? This almost sounds like he's working for Google, but mm. I can understand if, if you need that app. We, we do have – we are on a Stitcher app, uh, and Libsyn has an app. Uh, but I, I understand also Google's a big player, and mm. uh, I have some new web design software and some other things like that. Google's been fussing at me lately that we – we're not mobile friendly. Like if you go to ironradio.org, it's just it's the same web page on your phone as it is on your computer. It's not some simplified app type version. So there's a couple of things we got to do. But thank you, Kevin, for that. And if, again, if you're an Android listener, write in. You know, you could do that through the ironradio.org page. Just click on email the show or email Fortress or whatever that link says and let us know. Because if there's a big, big need for this, we'll do it. You know, we'll do it. Well, I can, I'm looking at it now. There's hundreds of happy comments over the last two and a half days that they came up with this so yeah itunes uh. admittedly uh libsyn is our backup server mm-hmm. uh and i'm always going back and forth with those guys they want us to monetize content and that sort of mm-hmm. thing and i'm i'm hesitant about that right we, we, i like our listener supported model mm-hmm. uh but uh itunes is really the, has been such the 800 pound gorilla you know, in the room, that that's always our main one. If you want to make sure you get every episode, uh, I would do that. The Libsyn stuff is more backup server. It's a, it's a nice cell phone app that should work cross-platform, I, iTunes, Android, whatever. And there's freebies sometimes. There's little extras, bonuses I put on the Libsyn stuff too. So I do what I can uh, because this gets time-consuming. And, you know, I appreciate that uh, Kevin mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we also have a couple of, uh, I should mention a couple of our uh, supporters, but there's a, a, a growing list of people who have made some donations to help keep things going. You know who you are, and next week we're, I'm going to mention some of you, but thank you 50 times uh, for helping out with the fall funds drive. Uh, it's going to enable us to do things. We really do put it back into this sort of thing. So, Okay, we'll go to break. We're going to come back, and we'll just uh, descend on our listener page on Facebook and see what people have to say about uh, what it's like to going uh, to compete. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, All that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, There is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote unquote educated Uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, There's an enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, 
how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that. And uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book. But that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. And on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, We'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook – uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. I can't stop feeling Some of us don't understand How lucky we are To be living in this Hi, listeners. This is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, we like you to keep Iron Rated in your thoughts. Every week, it's been our privilege to bring you weekly news, experts, and gym talk. Did you know that now roughly 20,000 brothers and sisters of Iron count on us for these things? Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in... $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org, and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Hi, everybody. We are back, and like Lonnie talked about, we're going to do the... Uh, we're going to talk about what, what you should bring to meets and things like that. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago a little bit on the uh, when Lonnie was here at, at my place for the Strength Guild Games. And all, all the competitors kind of came up with things. Um, and we opened this up to the, to the Facebook page, too, and got a few, got a few replies. But, um, you know, the main thing was, like, Patrick's subtle uh, – I'm going to ruin your name, I'm sure. Sedlacek, uh 
you know, bring food to a meet. And that is a big one. I think a lot of people don't remember that or don't, they don't even think about that. Like you can't expect these fly by night venues, which most meets are at to just have a, uh, like a vendor, bring whatever you think you're going to need and bring extra, you know, it's not going to hurt to bring some, you know, some stuff home. Um, Mm -hmm. I've seen that happen a lot. Like people are just tapped out on, like, I don't have enough water. I'm dehydrated. I don't have food. I'm starving. This meets nine hours and I expect it to be a couple. Like it's only three lifts. Yeah. Well, that's three lifts for 78 people. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. that can be a big one. And oddly enough, I mean, if you do it enough, you'll, you come to realize that most meets just don't run as planned. It's always, oh, we're starting 20 minutes late. Oh, we're ending an hour late. You know, things like Absolutely. that. Things happen. It just does and expect it to happen. So, um, you know, that's probably the biggest one is just become come over prepared. And, yeah, I mean, a, a common, common mistake for beginners is, uh, you know, not bringing anything to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I keep that simple. I mean, we've talked about it before, and I, I don't do good on, like, lots of food at meats. So <clears throat> it's like, for me, it's candy bars and crap like that. It's my day to... Um, the last thing I want to think about when I'm going up and trying to pick up 800 pounds is like eating a Subway sandwich. You know, yeah. you know I need fill. simple calories, right? You know, that don't fill me up. And yeah, just like yeah, peanut butters, bananas, like yes. peanut butter, peanut <laughs> really butter sandwiches, does. really you know. dense, small things. You it, know, that is so different. You know, because of course it, with bodybuilding stuff, you've got to worry about all that stuff. Yeah, you know. Uh, it, it sounds like so much freedom. No, no wonder a lot of people are like. I think I like powerlifting better. You know, the meats oh, yeah. are probably more fun. But you know, you think about it. I mean, what would happen if I ate a freaking foot long subway sandwich and then put seven hundred pounds on my back and tried to squat it? Yeah, it, you'd be throwing it, it mess. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it is a bit opposite, and you know, lots of water. I think that's probably hydration is probably the biggest place where people mess up in strength sports. They don't realize how how quickly you get dehydrated, especially, I mean, you're already stressed out. Your nerves are, you know, through the roof. You're pacing, you know, and you just forget this stuff. And so I try to always make myself, depending on what I'm doing, like if it's Highland Games, I have a very specific thing I do. It's like every every event, I grab another bottle of water. Um, mm-hmm. And I have to have that done before the next one, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it's just simple things like that. Um and about the same thing in powerlifting. I mean, it's like, okay, we're squatting. I need to have water before it. Okay, that's over. Have a snack. Have some water. Do you, uh, Phil, do you take any caffeine or energy drink type stuff? Oh, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll slam an energy drink and before it. And then maybe one. I don't take one for bench. <laughs> yeah. I'll have one before I squat and then maybe one before I deadlift. Depends on how long the meat is. Mm-hmm. Um because you'd have to time that. It seems to me like one of the things I learned early on, and I mean, I haven't competed in powerlifting, but the meets, I mean, they can go like 10 hours, can't they? I mean, oh, yeah. Some of them go insanely long. Yeah. And uh, you could mistime the caffeine, you're almost, screwed. You know? It's almost the opposite. It's almost a, a slight opposite for strongman because it's, it, I mean, you'll get done depending on how many competitors um, there are, of course. Um, you, know, you can get done like in the early afternoon. It, it doesn't last like 10 fucking hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, but yeah. but there's some, there's some national contests. I mean, like I said, it all depends on how many competitors they have and how many implements you know they have to go around. But one of the things about strongman, particularly at higher tier types of contests, you don't have one person going at one time. You have like five. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes. Um, so it, it cuts down significantly 
uh, on the amount of time. Oh, yeah. And I mean, even powerlifting, you got to think about what federation you're lifting in. Yeah. You know, it, like my meets in my federation go pretty quick. Like there's, there's a lot of times we'll start at 10. We're done by two or three. But we have no equipped lifting at all. If you go to a meet that has both, oh, now we got more time. We're having time for these people to put their suits on, time for these people to put their wraps on. Okay, here comes the 700 bench only guys that are in the mix. You know, so all of a sudden your flight went from 65 people to 120 people because there's 60 extra people doing bench only. So now the, there's four bench flights instead of two. You know, so you get three hours between benching and squatting. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, things like that. There's all these things to take into account. And I mean, ask your meat director, say, hey, how many people are in this? How many people are doing bench only? Am I going to have a big long break? Um, you know, I have some lifters that you know, do better where they'll squat and I'll literally like send them to a car and it's like, go take a nap for an hour and a half because you got about three hours before you go. Yep. You know, things like that. And or even attend, right? Ask the promoter or even a, go to the one the year before. Like if you're thinking yeah. about something far enough out, you could go watch it the first mm-hmm. time. You do in the bodybuilding equivalent of this. Is there's so many additional classes now. Like there's the men's fitness guys, and so you're sitting through bantam weight, lightweight, middleweight, this weight, that weight. There's how many different female categories: bikini and figure and fitness. And mm-hmm. if you're trying to, if you prematurely try to get jacked up, you're you're going to be exhausted. You're, you're yeah. you know, and in bodybuilding, that's not just t- tired. You're flat. Your physique mm-hmm. looks bad. You, you know, and so, like you said, I mean, once I napped in the car, you know, yeah. like in between, I had nowhere to really lay down. It, it was at the uh, Mountaineer Cup in West Virginia. I remember Kelly and I were I, like napping in the frickin' car. Yeah. So, and that's what mm-hmm. I mean. I've I've had this mentioned to me numerous times because I'm generally a pretty outgoing, talkative person. But then people see me at meets and they're like, "Wow, Phil's kind of quiet, and he's a dick." Because he's sitting over the corner by himself. <laughs> and, you know, he's over in the corner by himself being real quiet, not talking to anybody. Well, that's part of my plan. It's like, leave me alone. I'm resting. I don't have, you know. Right. I've got to be up for three lifts, you know. So I get my squat done, and then I'll go sit in a corner, you know. And I'm just preserving energy, you know. You know, Phil, I didn't. And it's like, we can talk and have fun after. You yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about this the other week when you brought this up. But, I mean, because you've said that for years, but. This is uh, obviously not a marketing opportunity for you as a coach. You know what no. I mean? Like people would approach you, you'd be like, "Get the fuck away from me!" Yeah, it's know? like I'm working right now. Leave They're me like, alone. I'm not working with this guy. He's mean. <laughs> yeah, and it's like you know, and I'm lucky. Like I've talked about last time, is you know, my wife understands that, and even she leaves me alone, and she'll like tell people, "Don't mess with them. Leave right. them alone." You know, right. We'll go out to drinks after the meet. Yeah. You know? Right. Right now it's work time. Yeah. And. uh you know, it's just learn to do that. You have to learn to detach. It's like you got to get up, and then there might be two and a half hours where you need to be down. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. if you if you try and stay up all day long, by the time that third lift gets there, you're just cooked. And uh, well, I'll tell you what. Let me offer this. I I found my competition inventory. So sort of uh, what I call the grocery list, and some of it is groceries. This is when. Uh, when I went down to St. Louis, actually, John, for uh, the Mr. Midwest competition, some of this looking back sounds funny, right? This is to powerlifters. This is going to sound very funny, but this is actually my list. So, heat lamp. I had to bring a heat lamp, right? Because if it's cold and they don't have a, a facility for that, you've got to get warm. So you will literally mm-hmm. see guys with like heat lamps, you know, while they're trying to pump up. So that sounds funny, but Pam, you know, or almond oil. That's how guys oil up right you see a lot of pam flying around backstage sounds weird well there it is 
uh, vasodilator sprays. You can smell that when you walk into a bodybuilding show. They have that sort of menthol, you know, so that's what the heat lamp and the vasodilator is for. Hopefully you're lean enough, you don't have to do that. You know, you always see the guys who aren't lean enough, and they're trying to bring out veins that don't exist, so that's not Mm going to work either. Two pairs of trunks. Um, I really took for granted how cheap guys' trunks are uh, compared to women's suits. And you women competitors out there, you'd be like, oh, hallelujah for that high five, because, I mean, they can be hundreds of dollars. Mm -hmm. And guys, you know, you just kind of drop your 30 bucks on a pair of trunks. But you got to think about... Do you have to have black? Do they allow color? Will they? What do they allow? So yeah, it's little things you don't think about. And then take two pairs. You know, um, you got to take some paint on like Jantana color or something for touch ups. Um, I took th- some Thiamu case. That's old school stuff. You could, it was a gel or a cream, and it's supposed to help dehydrate p- specific areas uh, on your body. But like some guys will even use um, Preparation H, believe it or not. So if you feel mm-hmm. like you're you're a little wrinkly in some area. You don't look right in some way. People literally try to spot touch with this stuff. Um, I took some caffeine. I took my ibuprofen because I'm old and stiff. Um, I took some Parabrom. That's a really mild over-the-counter diuretic. Um, I took a little bit of glycerol. And, John, you know where I'm going with that just to keep up blood yeah. volume, right? You can, so you want to dehydrate yeah. so you're dry, but you need pl- fluid in your plumbing so you can mm-hmm. see your veins. It makes you look better. Now, I know some guys are so veiny that they don't need that so much, but um, I took distilled water. I took some potassium citrate, uh, four yams, four brown and four red potatoes, uh, whey, a can of whey. Uh, is this all, Lana, is this all in the same day? Yeah, this is for, yeah, six, <laughs> six clean chicken breasts, completely raw, raw, you know, not raw, but, you know, clean, unadorned chicken breast. This is like, it's, it, according to like Phil, right? I'm going to have all this stuff in place. I took a book. I was reading a book on mental toughness training. I took my laptop. I took an MP3 player, which now use a phone. Um, I had to make sure I bought pre-judging and evening show tickets. You know, if your family's going, you got to get the tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, a razor, uh, you know, the, the t- traditional stuff, too, like mouthwash and toothbrush and all that stuff. I took some slaps, you know, some um, sandals because you're walking around practically naked. Uh, some loose training pants, an old shirt that you know is going to get ruined because the fake tan is going to get all over it. So this is kind of funny, but I did this weeks in advance uh, because when it comes go time, you know what I mean? You're not. You're not the same in your head as you are most of the time. And so I could just go to this list and go down the list. So I would do this weeks uh, in advance. But it does. it is funny, I guess, to a lot of people who are pure strength is, sports. You know, It is interesting, yeah, noting the differences between the two. Because, like, in strength sports, it's like you're looking to lean out and dry out. And it's like I'm all about let's put a bloat on you know, because <laughs> yeah. I know that's going to make that squat feel easier. It's like yeah. give me the salt and give me the – uh, the glycogen blasphemy yeah. right oh jeez <laughs> i'm filling up on this crap you know and yeah i mean and, and it's also quick fast energy you know as far as knocking down a candy bar or whatever gatorade and crap like that and it's like yeah it has nothing to do with how you look up there it's like nobody cares if you look hot and you get crushed by 700 pounds <laughs> no, right it's yeah. the opposite right it's the opposite because <laughs> you know. yeah the bodybuilders want to look like they can squat 700 pounds yeah. but they've got to be pretty you know, yes. it's, it sounds yeah. funny, but yeah, there is no powerlifting award for looking the best. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. creatine. It, it, you know what? It, looking at this list now in retrospect, so much of this is skin care and water balance. You <laughs> know, is. 
Whereas I imagine that water balance when it comes to you guys is make the weight, dehydrate and make the mm-hmm. weight, then bloat up as fast as you can after you get off the scale. Yeah, exactly. You know? And that's a case of where, you know, the last thing I let anybody do is take a, a diuretic because that thing doesn't stop working the minute you step off the scale. It's going to keep working. Oh, and absolutely. What we want to do is get rehydrated as much as possible. Right. You know, so we try and do any kind of water manipulation without the, the aid of any over-the-counter. Right. You know, well, and like even that. then, you got to be careful. I remember I was uh, I was next to a guy in the hotel room, uh, and he's like, I, you know, I can get a little bit drier, and he took some Lasix. That, that is not over-the-counter. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he, all of his vascular, you know, he couldn't get a pump. Veins mm-hmm. went away. I'm like, well, you just screwed yourself at the last minute. And that was one of a mm-hmm. hundred times I've seen people with their head not right at the last mm-hmm. minute ruin it. You know, because he looked really good. I'm like, well, no, now yeah. you don't. <laughs> you know, well, so, I'm the, the, the same for that in the powerlifting world would be not knowing your openers. Yeah, you, know, you got to come in with that ready. I've seen so many, and don't. I've seen so many first timers like they're warming up. I'm like, hey, what are you opening at? I'm opening it at 410. Well, why are you doing 480 in the warm-up room? You know? <laughs> you're already pet. You're to your third. What are you doing? Yeah. You know? and It's just out of irrational concern, you know. Yeah. That... Well, I want to hit everything I'm going to do out there before. Well, you're just wearing yourself out, you know. <laughs> Save yeah. it for the platform. Yeah. You know, my yeah. mom used to say, some things you can't tell people, they've got to live through it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and exactly. I would think that's why we were talking about certifications earlier. Now we're talking about competitions. There is an element of... Listen to some of the older guys that have a lot of experience. You are not going to be maximally calm and have your head in the perfect place until you've done it a lot. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. And you'll see. I mean, the one thing you can notice at a, at a strength sports meet, the guys that have been there and done that and probably the guys winning are the ones that are pretty calm. You know, they're yeah. not running around screaming, bouncing off the walls. Yeah. Like they do that on the platform. Yeah. And in then fact, they're like way laid back. Right. Yeah, it's like, yeah, another day at work. Yep. You know? The Masters guys so. in that last round in um, in St. Louis and when I was up in North Dakota, they're laid back. They're laughing. They're having a good time. You know, and a lot of the Masters guys, they actually do very well when they compete against the younger guys. You know what I mean? Because some of these Masters competitions, you only have to be 35 or 40. Yeah. You know, to, it, and so these guys have muscle maturity, but I, they have emotional maturity. You know, so mm-hmm. some of the young guys, I'm not repping on the young guys. They're not all like this. Some are very cool. But you get Mr. Badass in the corner, mm-hmm. you know, and he's trying to intimidate everybody. And meanwhile, the Masters guys aren't like that, you mm-hmm. know. None of them were. You know, they're kind of laughing. They're helping each other put Pam on our backs and all this crazy, you know. They're kind of laughing. You know, Arnold talks about how it's very funny, you know, being the best-built yeah. guy there. It's kind of funny. And so, yeah. yeah, experience brings that confidence and that calm. Uh, yeah. And you can't read about it. You have to go actually do that. Guys, I'm going to let you finish this out. I got to roll. Hey, I think we're done. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, okay, everybody, until <laughs> next week. All right. Later, All right. guys. See you <laughs> Later. Hey, listeners. Have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store one for phil one for fortress and one for myself dr lowry and they're thematic so you can go into our halls of iron store and choose based on your goal if you need something to learn or read or something nutritional you can look in my store uh, lonnie's store if you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition then take a look at phil's 
Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.